the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. If we look to the answer as to why for so many years we achieved so much, prospered as no other people on earth, it was because here in this land we unleashed the energy and individual genius of man to a greater extent than has ever been done before. Those who say that we're in a time when there are no heroes, they just don't know where to look. The sloping hills of Arlington National Cemetery, with its row upon row of simple white markers, bearing crosses or stars of David, they add up to only a tiny fraction of the price that has been paid for our freedom. As for the enemies of freedom, those who are potential adversaries, they will be reminded that peace is the highest aspiration of the American people. We will negotiate for it, sacrifice for it. We will not surrender for it now or ever. We are Americans. This is the Bob France Authority on AM 1420. The answer. Yes, indeed, it is. And a good morning to you. Nine minutes past 10 o'clock. Thanks for joining us on this Monday. It's the ninth morning of the last month of the year of our Lord 2019. Appreciate you being with us. We're going to pivot away from Joe Biden momentarily and talk about the uh, Islamist terror attack. That's exactly what it was. Make no mistake about it. In Pensacola, Florida, it is being investigated as such uh, as it should be. And um, uh, Oliver North, uh, Lieutenant Colonel Oliver North, was on Fox in France this morning. I was trying to find the clip for you. I cannot get it, so I wanted to read it to you. He said, this was nothing less than an Islamist terror attack. Do not let anybody try to couch it or paint it as anything other than that. Um, A Saudi pilot's deadly shooting rampage at the uh, Naval Air Station classroom in Pensacola is being treated by the FBI special agent in charge as a terrorist attack. Is it a uh, uh, an Islamic terrorist attack? The shooter was Mohammed, <clears throat> excuse me, Al Shamrani, a second lieutenant in the Royal Saudi Air Force and a student naval flight officer at the Naval Aviation School's command. He was armed with a legally purchased nine millimeter Glock handgun and several extra magazines. He was shot to death by sheriff's deputies after the attack. He was the sole shooter. And no other arrest, or no arrests have been made in this case. The question is, is how do we know that it was a radical Islamic terrorist attack and not just a, uh, you know, a freak out shooting? And the answer to that, of course, can be found in the manifesto if you can find it online. Fox commentator Pete Hegseth, the veteran, uh, posted uh, screenshots of the manifesto in which they did, or he rather, did indeed explain his hatred for Israel his support for uh, Islamic Jihad, and he even included quotes in his manifesto from Osama bin Laden himself. That's how we know. And the question is now, are there others like him working, studying, learning to fly in the United States? 
And what is it that we can do about it? Joining us now to analyze and break this down for us is Jim Simpson. He has been a regular guest on this program. He is the author of The Red-Green Axis, An Existential Threat to America and the World. Jim, good to have you back on the program. How are you, sir? Hey, Bob. Good morning. Great to be with you again. Good to talk to you as well. I wish it were under better circumstances. We've got dead okay. Americans. Uh, we've got a, a, a essentially another jihadist attack. Um, yep. I kind of laid as much of the background out as I could in short order here to kind of set you up to take it from there. Um, yep. Tell me what tell me what you know and what you've seen. All right. Well, I want to take this in two directions. First, uh, you know, you're right. It was a terrorist attack, and the Saudis are looking into whether this guy was radicalized on his trip back to Saudi Arabia last year. Um, but there's two directions I want to take. First of all, uh, I think I believe it's more complicated than that. I uh, sent out a tweet um, earlier in last week observing the fact that Mohammed bin Salman, MBS, the new leader of the Soviet uh, of the Saudi Arabia, um, has been trying to modernize Saudi Arabia to some degrees, letting women drive and things like that. And one of the things he did early on was he arrested hundreds of members of the royal family for corruption, and confiscated billions of their wealth. And most people don't know that there are hundreds of them still in jail. And when uh, Adnan Khashoggi, uh, the uh, relative of the former arms dealer who was a Washington Post quote-unquote reporter, uh, was murdered in the Saudi embassy in Turkey, I posited that this was an effort by those within the royal family to murder, uh, to, to smear MBS with that uh, murder, because it, it was so blatant, it was so obvious, nobody leading, uh, no leader would allow that to happen, uh, you know, it would, would do that so blatantly. And... The same thing is true in this case. And in fact, uh, my um, colleague, Claire Lopez, tweeted out this morning essentially the same thing that I said earlier. Uh, quote, agreed Pensacola shooting may well be the plot of angry rival princes and Wahhabi clerics keen to disrail Saudi-U.S. relationship. And there was a uh, an article... Um, put out by Stephen Bryan uh, today that suggested exactly that, that the Wahhabis, you know, who have essentially been ruling uh, Saudi Arabia or have been at least guiding its uh, uh, religious beliefs and spreading that poison throughout the world, um, they're feeling somewhat threatened by the direction MBS is taking with Saudi Arabia. And I firmly believe that this was something. Now, this guy was obviously, uh, uh, he was a devout, uh, if you want to call him that, a devout Muslim believer 
who uh, follows all the narratives that, you know, all of these Muslim terrorists do. Uh, it's all about how Israel, which is invading a Muslim country, and how we support Israel and we uh, attack Muslim nations. Uh, you know, it, it, it's all bogus because we aren't attacking Muslim nations. We are counting atta- attacking those who attacked us. And Israel uh, never invaded a Muslim country. The Muslims invaded Israel shortly after it was founded. The entire narrative is is completely 180 degrees away from what the truth is. But this guy obviously believed it and was willing to die for his beliefs. So, yes, he fits the definition of a terrorist, and he also had accomplices. Um, the, the other three that allegedly filmed or at least observed the, uh, uh, the shooting and those who have disappeared, who I haven't found, and it's obvious he did not do this alone. So this was clearly a terrorist attack. It was clearly one that was um, uh, managed by more than one person, organized by more than one person, and it's even questionable how he got his gun, because according to Breyer, anyway, uh, foreign nationals like that are not allowed to just simply buy firearms, but he did so through um, uh, through means that we're still unclear about. Right. But um, but so so this, I believe it's it's more complicated than that. This guy was a terrorist. He was he was convinced to do this on the usual routine of absurd ideas, but I think that it has more to do with the animosity that many of the Saudi royal family feels towards MBS and their efforts to to derail the good relationship he's attempted to establish with uh, President Trump. Jim Simpson is my guest. He is the author of the Red Green Axis, uh, and he is an expert on uh, the the marriage, if you will, or at least the shared goals of communism, socialism, and uh, and Islamism. Uh, I want to follow up on two fronts. One, I want to talk yeah. about the relationship with this with the Saudi government. Um, we all know that President Trump was heavily criticized for not doing more. Um, yep. after the murder of Khashoggi, uh, yep. you know, obviously, I, I, and I'll be honest with you, uh, Jim, I have never understood, whether it's a Republican administration or a Democratic administration, why this country is uh, is so in bed with, uh, you know, with the human rights violating Islamic theocracy like Saudi Arabia. You pointed out there's a reformer to an extent now with, uh, you know, with respect to letting women drive and, and other things like that. But still, this is a nation that allows with Wahhabism, uh, you know, the, the cutting off of hands yep. for theft, you know, yep. 7th century type things. So yep. I've never understood the, the ongoing relationship. They're not exactly our allies. It's more of a business relationship than anything else. But so how, what should the government do now to respond to this, you know, attack by a Saudi national here on our soil? That's, that's point number one. And then the second one, which will be after our break, will be about how we vet people to let them into mm-hmm. the country to come to these mm-hmm. schools and to serve yeah. uh, in any capacity or to study in any capacity on our basis. Because clearly this guy had a ton of red flags that were not necessarily yeah. vetted out before. So let's start with the with the Saudi government and tell me what our response should be. 
Well, you know, we're kind of stuck between a rock and a hard place because Saudi Arabia is very strategically important to us in the Middle East. I mean, we could abandon the Saudi uh, government, and by default it would fall to Iran, and since Iran is under the Russian orbit, uh, actually would fall to Russia. So that, that, that's the major, I think, strategic uh, calculus that goes into our uh, relationship with Saudi Arabia. It is more West-friendly, if you will, than many of the other nations, and we really don't have a choice. And uh, this new leader has striven to improve relationships with us and striven to modernize. And I believe that that's the heart of the problem. The Wahhabis are feeling threatened because Wahhabism, uh, along with Salafism, is, is what drives Al-Qaeda, drives ISIS, drives all of these uh, Muslim organizations who... Um, buy into the, the most, uh, you know, fundamentalist reading of the Quran and uh, have caused practically all the uh, problems that we face. So, uh, and it's, in my mind, it's a lot like Pakistan because, you know, uh, when we were fighting the Soviets in uh, Afghanistan through proxies uh, guided by uh, Pakistan, mm-hmm. you know, the leadership uh, paid for that with their lives. The Pakistani leader, uh, uh, Ulhaq, paid with his life uh, for supporting us. Uh, the leader under uh, who worked with George Bush uh, was almost assassinated numerous times. At the same time, Jim, let me let me ask you to pause there if I could here because I've got to get a break here. Um, uh, I want to finish the thought on the Saudi government, and then I want to talk a little bit more on vetting procedures and how we let foreign nationals into this country to do anything, whether they're studying or whatnot. Jim Simpson, author of the Red Green Axis, right back to finish his thoughts after this. It's the Bob France Authority here on AM fourteen twenty. The answer. All right, 1024, so I've got about five and a half good minutes left with Jim Simpson, from the uh, the author of The Red-Green Axis, and we're talking about the Pensacola shooting that left three Americans dead, four counting the shooter, a Saudi national who was a jihadist who wrote uh, extensively about his uh, hatred for the United States, our involvement in the Middle East, his hatred for, hatred for Israel, and his support for the likes of Osama bin Laden. And we're talking about what our response to the Saudi government should be to this. Jim, I'll let you finish your thoughts on that, but try to allow yourself some time to talk about vetting procedures. How do we allow people like this to, to our country to study? Yeah, absolutely. So I think in the case of Pakistan, you know, some people say it's our enemy. Some people say it's our friend. Same thing with Saudi Arabia. So the, the truth is it's not that simple. You have elements of the Saudi government, elements of the Pakistani government, specifically the uh, ISI, their intelligence operation, who are dead set against us. But then you have 
opponents that would like to have us as friends. So it's it's not that simple. And I think that in his response to uh, Khashoggi's murder, Trump did the right thing and not pushing uh, MBS because I believe he knows, as I firmly believe, that, that that whole thing was a setup. And I believe similarly this thing was a setup designed to to derail our relationship with the with the with Saudi Arabia, which has improved since Trump uh, was elected. Saudi's uh, relationship with Israel has improved since Trump was elected. So these are ways all of our international enemies would like to uh, see us hobbled in one way or another. So I think that's more the reality of it. You have enemies and friends in both of these governments. Mm-hmm. Um, and as it comes to vetting, you know, Trump has has done a lot to ramp up vetting, but we are just horribly inadequate in all that. And it comes from an attitude, a lackadaisical attitude, that has been cultivated in our government for decades. And I mean, I saw it back in the Clinton administration when I was still working uh, at the Office of Management and Budget. You know, uh, they undermined national security in every way they could. And even the way we vet our employees, uh, I had to go through a secret security clearance, and I was vetted pretty carefully. But they don't accurately and effectively account for many of the uh, uh, subversive elements in our world because they don't really, they don't have the depth of knowledge. That depth of knowledge has been destroyed through constant lawsuits from the ACLU and other organizations like that. Council on American Islamic Relations has recently convinced a federal court to declare our terrorist watch list unconstitutional. So, you know, these kinds of things have been going on. It's very difficult. And we really, in our intelligence, in our checking of backgrounds, there's not enough of a depth of knowledge of the kind of subversive activities our enemies are willing to engage in that we account for in these vetting procedures. And I think that's part of the problem. But it also comes from the fact that, you know, these people could have come. This, this, uh, the, the, the shooter uh, came out of the military where, you know, they presumed some good things and then everything changed. It, but it, it, we really do need to up our game in that regard. Yeah, and that's the difficulty here, of course. When we try to up our game in that regard, we are accused of Islamophobia, uh, particularly, yeah, yeah. Exactly. particularly the Trump administration. How dare you try mm-hmm. to, you know, limit the number of people who can come to this country from right. this country or that country, even if, even exactly. if those countries are demonstrably anti-American, producing a lot of people with anti, you know, American philosophies. And um, could, could I could I interject yeah. one thing? Also? Yeah, go ahead. I got about a minute and a half or a minute left for you. Go ahead. Okay, so the uh, uh, his manifesto, his short manifesto, uh, he says, uh, you're funding and committing crimes not only against Muslims, but also humanity. I'm against evil, and America as a whole has turned into a nation of evil, uh, supporting of Israel, invasion of Muslim country, 
invasion of many countries. I see Guantanamo Bay, cruise missiles, cluster bombs, UAV. Why do these so many people have this idea? I blame our national news media for presenting a fraudulent and utterly dishonest, deliberately dishonest picture of America, what it is, and the truth about our allies, in this case especially Israel, because the entire narrative is false. Israel did not invade Palestine. Arab nations invaded Israel. There was virtually nobody living in Israel when it became a country. There's now four times as many Muslims living in Israel as there were uh, at at the time uh, when Israel was created. Those people enjoy freedoms nowhere available to them in the Muslim world, especially in the Palestinian territories, where they are under a very strict, very corrupt, and very oppressive communist, socialist form of government. And so everything I blame the media a lot for these narratives that give these terrorists the excuse, the rationale to hate America. Uh, Jim Simpson, that's very well explained, uh, and that's why we had John. I appreciate it. There's going to be a lot more to this, obviously, to come as more investigations are done on this particular incident and, of course, others like it, and we look forward to talking to you about that. Jim Simpson, thank you so much. I appreciate you coming on, sir. Thanks, Bob. Thanks for being with me. Thanks you got it. Being with you. You yep. got it, Jim. Jim Simpson, the author of The Red-Green Axis, An Ex- Existential Threat to America and the World. It's 1031. We'll get news now. Come back with your phone calls. 216-901-0945 on the Bob France Authority. Thirty-seven now. The Bob France Authority continuing at fourteen twenty. The answer. We got twenty-three minutes of outstanding awesome left for you before you get the awesome stylings of Mike Gallagher, followed by Dennis Prager, the brilliant Doctor G, Sebastian Gorka, Jay Sekulow live, and then Larry Elder. Stay right here if you really truly want the uh, most comprehensive and fair. I won't call it balanced, but I'll call it fair. It's balanced because it's not balanced, quite frankly, because we are the balance. You understand that? We are the balance. As the mainstream media, the the legacy media, if you will, continues to carry Democrat water, we are the balance, but we are fair in providing the true story of what is going on. i got a lot of other parts of this story, uh, the impeachment story going on right now, and a lot of audio to share with you. But I do want to get a phone call in from BJ in North Olmstead before I do. He wants to talk about this impeachment nonsense. Hi, BJ. Go ahead. Thank you. Two days ago was the anniversary of the Day of Infamy, Pearl Harbor. Mm-hmm. And my feeling and prediction is that December 9th, 2019, will be the day that the majority House of Representatives spit on the Constitution and spit in the face of the American voters that voted this president in that has done more for minorities, more for women, more for working people, families, and what have you. This, to me, is really treachery on the part of our own government against its own people. And uh, I think you're going to find more of this coming from the American public. This is an awakening to the American public. 
that believes in the freedom of our country, and I thank you for your time, and I'm interested in your comments on that. BJ, thank you. I agree. My comment is I agree wholeheartedly. That is uh, that is exactly what's going on. Whether it goes down as another day of infamy uh, or not, December 9th, uh, time will tell, but I feel like uh, this is as much of an orchestrated attack on this country as the uh, as the Pearl Harbor attack. And I mean, it sounds a little odd, don't get me wrong. Uh, there hasn't been an actual loss of life here the way there was then, and it's not launching us into a quote-unquote Second World War. But this is and does have the potential to be just as impactful uh, as that was long-term. I said this before, and I'll say it again. The presidency is what is at stake here, not the president. Okay, It's not about Donald J. Trump. I mean, it is in that they have targeted him since before his election, which is unprecedented in the United States. But this impeachment, which lacks all of the other components that previous impeachments in the United States have had, is an assault on the presidency. It would be unconstitutional for him to be impeached by this ridiculous inquiry and what they have found, which is absolutely nothing. They have no facts and evidence with which to remove a sitting president. They have the opinions of a bunch of wannabe policymakers, uh, ambassadors and others who did not like his policy toward Ukraine and who just simply became willing pawns in the long-held Democratic plans to impeach this president before he was even elected. So it really, you know, this is an assault on the presidency. If this is allowed to go forth, and it will, every president from this point forward is going to be subject to the same scrutiny. And could, I mean, the opposition party, whether it be Republican or Democrat, will use this as their precedent their precedent to attack future presidents. And they will do that, and they will say, look what they did. They they went after Trump for far less than X, Y, or Z, or whatever those things to come are going to be. So the so in that regard, BJ's right. Uh, this day could go down uh, if, if they introduce and vote on articles of impeachment, whether it's today or, or you know sometime this week. Um, it, it could very much go down as a day of infamy because it will have a long, long-lasting effect on this country and its ability to be run and its ability to be governed. Future presidents are going to be in great peril to the opposition party because of what the demon rats are doing in this case. Okay, I want to get, excuse me, I want to get to a, a little bit of audio for you on this. There's a lot of ground here to cover, seriously. I want to go to Matt Gates. Matt Gates, of course, is a congressman from Florida. He's one of the most outspoken. He's working very hard, along with Doug Collins, along with Jim Jordan and others, Devin Nunez, uh, to try to hold the, the uh, demon rats accountable for this nonsense. He went after Jerry Nadler. Chairman Jerry Nadler, shortly after he began this uh, ridiculous uh, charade this morning, uh, essentially, as Nadler tries to bring in a bunch of unelected lawyers to uh, give their opinions on this thing and to try to back up what the quote-unquote evidence uncovered by the Intelligence Committee showed, um, Matt Gates wasn't going to sit by and let this go unchallenged. It was not a cognizable point of order. It was not. It was not a cognizable point of order. It was not Nadler, in order at this time to make that point of order. There is no ruling to appear. To appeal. But, but, Mr. Chairman, it's now the rule was the obligation, not consideration. You are obligated to schedule, not to consider. He made a ruling. It is in order to appeal. That's Andy Biggs uh, going after Nadler there. Gates is coming. Gentlemen will suspend. We are doing what we have to do under the rules. We will now hear presentations Mr. of evidence. Mr. Chairman, Gentlemen, is not recognized. We will now hear presentations of evidence. I have a counsel. parliamentary inquiry. I haven't removed my objection. I will not recognize the parliamentary inquiry at this time. 
We will only have presentations of evidence from counsels to the judiciary. Is this when we just hear staff ask questions of other staff and the members get dealt out of this whole hearing? And for the next four hours, you're going to try to overturn the result of an election with unelected people giving gentlemen will suspend. This order, this meeting will be, this hearing will be considered in will be considered in an orderly fashion. The gentleman will not yell out, and he will not attempt to disrupt the proceedings. So Jared Nadler, of course, um, probably a bigger hypocrite than even Adam Schiff. Jared Nadler, who, of course, argued vociferously against the impeachment of Bill Clinton, saying there should never be an impeachment, which is so narrow in its scope. There should never be an impeachment that is so one-sided, that, so as that only one party agrees with the proceedings and the other completely opposes it. And he said this, of course, when there was an impeachment of Bill Clinton that actually was bipartisan because there were Democrats who agreed. And now there are zero Republicans who want to move forward with this impeachment. It is going exactly the way he said it should never be done. And when people like Matt Gates speak out, of course, he gavels them down into silence so that no one can interrupt his proceeding. That's part one. Now, I want to also share with you this from yesterday on Meet the Press with Chuck Todd. (laughs) Excuse me, Chuck Todd, one of the most crooked journalists, if you can even use the word journalist in the same sentence with this guy, one of the most crooked journalists uh, working in media today and maybe in the long and storied history of NBC News, really has done an absolute disgrace to the uh, to the program Meet the Press, the longest running television show in history, is Meet the Press. He had Ted Cruz on yesterday. Ted Cruz wanted to talk about the facts in the investigation into the inquiry of President Trump's phone call to Ukraine to President Zelensky, in which President Trump made it very clear that on behalf of the American people, not on behalf of himself. When he said, I need you to do us a favor, he said, us. And then he said, the, the United States has undergone a lot in recent, uh, in recent you know, years. And then he proceeded to say that our election was tampered with in 2016, and we would like you to get to the bottom of how that happened and what Ukrainian, Ukraine's involvement was. Now, the left is saying, oh, no, President Trump is using a red herring here. Trump is trying to cover up the or to dismiss really the russian involvement in quote meddling with our election by trying to say ukraine did it and of course that is absolutely factually false no one is saying that russia didn't try to interfere but the idea that they were the only country that could interfere and that that ukraine couldn't have tried to interfere because russia was doing it is is just ridiculous. A point that Ted Cruz used yesterday to dismantle Chuck Todd. Evidence Russia clearly interfered in our in our election, but here's the game the media is playing. Because Russia interfered, the media pretends nobody else did. Ukraine blatantly interfered in our election. The sitting ambassador from Ukraine wrote an op-ed blasting Donald Do Trump during the election season. Do you know season. why he did that? That is what did unusual. Donald, what did Donald Trump? What did Donald Trump as a candidate say? about Ukraine and Crimea during the election that might have inspired the ambassador. So you're saying they had disagreements with Donald Trump and they wanted Hillary Clinton to get elected. Okay, so they wrote an op-ed. A Ukrainian parliamentarian. That is the difference. What you're saying is you're saying a pickpocket 
which essentially is a Hill op-ed compared to Bernie Madoff and Vladimir Putin. It, are you, you're, you're trying well, to make, you're trying to equip, equal, make them both seem equal. I don't, I don't understand that. Chuck, Chuck, I understand that you want to dismiss Ukrainian interference because a, they were trying to get Hillary Clinton elected, which is what the vast majority of the media wanted anyway, and b, it's inconvenient for the narrative. You know, it's hysterical. Two years ago, there was article after article after article in the mainstream media about Ukrainian interference in the elections. But now, the Democrats have no evidence of a crime, no evidence of violating the law, and so suddenly Ukrainian interference is treated as the media clutches their pearls. Oh my goodness, you can't say that! Last week, Chuck, you called Senator John Kennedy basically a stooge for Putin. I did not. The press but needs don't to stop being ridiculous Senator, and just and, and, and are you acting concerned? like they work for Adam Schiff. Okay. I got to tell you, every time I listen to Ted Cruz, I'm reminded of why I supported him in the primaries in 2016 over Donald Trump. Ted Cruz is a brilliant orator, he's a brilliant debater, and he knows his facts inside and out. He's 100% correct. Now, don't get me wrong. I, of course, as soon as we realized that Donald Trump was going to be the nominee, jumped on board and remain on board to this very day. He has done some amazing work, and I'm very proud uh, and happy with our president and excited and eager to campaign for him on air and off in 2016, but or 2020, rather. But what uh, Ted Cruz just pointed out about the 2016 election was spot on. Ukraine did, publicly and privately, some of it was public, in the op-ed by the sitting Ukrainian ambassador, favoring Hillary Clinton and trashing Donald Trump. That was the public part of it. It was not the only part of it. There was, there was as Ted Cruz pointed out, there were multiple articles discussing the Ukrainian shadow efforts to impact the U.S. election to get Hillary Clinton elected instead of Donald Trump. Their belief was, of course, that uh, uh, Donald Trump was too close to or, or too, um, uh, I won't say allied with, allied with uh, Vladimir Putin, but the belief was, and this is, of course, been the leftist argument ever since, that he was so close with Putin, it would be bad for Ukraine if he became president. So whether their reason was, was valid or not, they did work to help get Hillary Clinton elected. In other words, foreign interference with our election. And the, the left which screamed about how egregious such a thing would be when Russia meddled with our election. You can't have foreign countries meddling with our election. When we talk about another country doing it other than the one they wanted to demonize because of, uh, because of Trump, now suddenly it's got to be silenced, and that's what Chuck tried, Todd tried to do. Well, do you know why the ambassador wrote the article about Donald Trump? Yeah, they disagreed with him. So the, so the, the left is totally fine. Stooges like Chuck Todd are totally fine with foreign countries meddling with our election if that foreign country is meddling on behalf of the Democrat candidate that they support. If a foreign country meddles in an election in favor of somebody they don't like, well, <laughs> they need an investigation immediately. We gotta, we gotta appoint a special counsel. So it's all about who and everything that is going on to destroy the presidency right now. It's not just the Democrats in the Congress. The Democrats in the Congress couldn't get away with this. If the media did its job, 
The media is absolutely complicit. And that is something that, again, as I started to show with the Biden interview with Axios, that is something that we should all be, be enraged about, quite frankly, and moreover, we should all be fighting to stop. The media is running this country. There is never, has never been a time, in my view, in American history, where the media has had more sway with the American people. They have had more control over what happens in our government than they do right now. Right now. Because they are part of the deep state that has been trying to undercut, undermine, and stage the coup d'etat to remove this president from power from before the moment he took power. We'll wrap it up after this. Bob France, here on AM 1420. The answer. All right, ten fifty-six. Final segment. Always a short one. I want. <clears throat> excuse me. I want to share this with you. As we listen to more of the nonsense about the uh, Ukrainian reasons for impeachment, let's let's listen to the to the truth. Coming from people like Democratic Representative Al Green, who went on MSNBC and argued the real reason for impeachment. It has nothing to do with with the Ukrainian phone call or high crimes and misdemeanors. It's that they hate this president. And in Al Green's case, it's because they think he's a racist. And impeachment must happen to deal with slavery. Wait, what? No, I didn't stutter. Listen to him yourself. So I know that you introduced one of those first impeachment resolutions against Trump. And let's look at how that went down. It actually lost 364 to 58. How do you think this process ends if more evidence is revealed? And are you concerned at all that Americans are having a waning interest as this process drags on? Well, it was yesterday, in fact, that uh, we celebrated in a sense that we, we had something that was brought to the floor. Maybe I shouldn't say celebrate it. Let me just say that we... Why? You're telling the truth. Nancy Pelosi's trying to say this saddens us. No, you celebrate it. Tell the truth, you big friggin' liar. Brought to the floor the uh, articles for a vote. And we received uh, some 50-plus votes, and then the second time some 60-plus, and a third time 95 votes. So I believe that the American people understand that this is something that we must do at this point. Mm-hmm. I don't speak for all of the American people, but a majority seem to think, th- think so. No, they don't. Um, and I think that uh, we're moving forward in a, in a very uh, cautious and prudent way, uh, which is what is expected. But I also think that if we don't include some of the things that are important to people of color, then I think that our business won't be finished, Ms. Mm-hmm. Witt. Uh, I do believe, uh, ma'am, that we have to deal with the original sin. We have to deal with slavery. Uh, slavery was the thing that put all of what President Trump has done lately into motion. You heard it yourself. For many Democrats, they will find their own reasons to impeach Donald Trump including slavery. 
Donald Trump was elected president in 2016. Slavery was abolished in 1865. But we're going to impeach Donald Trump because slavery happened. Think about that for a moment now. If this does not explain to you the point that this is not about a Ukrainian phone call, it is only about Democrat hatred for the man, then nothing will. You listen to those words and you let them marinate in your brain. And we'll talk again tomorrow. Stay where you are, because Mike Callagher is coming up next. He'll talk to you directly. Have yourself a great day. We'll talk to you tomorrow on the Bob France Authority. Bye-bye. Enjoy the silence. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.